0: This is Reset. I'm Michael Puente and for Sasha Ann Simons. A new state budget is headed to Governor J.B. Pritzker's desk after an all-night marathon session in Springfield. The plan includes $1.8 billion in tax relief and provides direct checks for most Illinois residents. Lawmakers stayed up until 6 a.m. on Saturday to approve the final bill. Here's Governor Pritzker speaking at a press conference.
1: Illinoisans will benefit from a billion dollars in tax relief at the pump in the supermarket checkout, and in their property tax bills. On top of that, we are expanding the earned income credit, sending direct checks to working families, and providing back-to-school tax relief for families and teachers.
0: Joining us now to help break down the details is WBEZ state politics reporter Dave McKinney. Hey, Dave.
1: Hey, Michael. Congratulations. Your White Sox had a good opening weekend.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And also joining us is Hannah Meisel, NPR, Illinois Government and Politics Editor. Great to have you on with us, Hannah.
2: Thanks, Mike. Good to talk to you.
0: All right. Well, Dave, maybe you could stick around for our White Sox segment later on in the show. So, (laughs) Well, Dave, uh, the final day of the spring session went on for 20 hours. Uh, What was that like?
1: Oh my gosh! It was like sort of getting on an airplane and traveling twelve, you know, through twelve different time zones, and then feeling, you know, like today, yesterday, the whole weekend, feeling that jet lag feeling. I mean, it was a, it was unlike any kind of close of session that I remember. I mean, I've, I've covered some busy ones. I mean, this was a busy one too, but never one that uh, went all the way up to sunrise the next morning, and you know, people were. Napping at their desks and and uh, it just everybody was sort of trying to figure out, all right, when are we getting out of here
0: and this is with Democrats in full control of that state house
1: yeah i mean there, there was just a lot of moving pieces that they had to get out the door and and you, you know the the fact that they focused in on as we 'll talk about you know the budget and crime those were two just big you know mouthfuls of of stuff that they were trying to get. Uh, get finished before the before they headed out for the spring, and so um, it just it was a slower moving process than than what we've seen in the past, and, and a very tiring one.
0: Now, Dave, give us an overall of the budget and how it all came together.
1: Well, I mean, this you know this largely resembles what Governor Pritzker unveiled back in February. I mean, there there are add-ons to it. I mean, they've sweetened the tax relief. All told, it's about you know a billion eight or a little bit more than that. Uh, In in tax relief, and as the governor said in the clip there that you played to open the show, I mean, there's, um, you know, they're suspending the 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 percentage tax on groceries for a year. They're freezing uh, about a there was about a two cent a gallon increase uh, in the motor fuel tax that was supposed to kick in in July. They're suspending that for six months. Uh, They're talking about three hundred dollar checks for homeowners or up to that amount. Um, expanding the earned income tax credit, um, and then, you know, just checks for people, $50 per individual, uh, $100 per child, up to three children, and, you know, you'll qualify for that if you're making less than 200000 a year. So, I mean, there's just a bunch of election year goodies in here that um, Republicans would, you know, they, they, they said, hey, your Democrats are just trying to buy votes here. But the Democrats were saying this was just essentially a way to show voters and, and Illinoisans in general – that they understand the effects that inflation uh, are having right now.
0: Well, Hannah, overall, how successful was Governor Presker in getting his agenda passed? You know, this is an election year after all.
2: You know, I would say, just like Dave said, he was fairly successful in what he wanted in uh, the budget that he proposed in early February. And he was, you know, able to do some of these things. And, you know, by the way, some of these things, lots of uh, legislative Democrats didn't necessarily agree with. They, you know, I spoke to uh, quite a few folks in uh, both Democratic caucuses who thought these you know fifty dollar checks for individuals and one hundred dollars for uh, children up to three were kind of gimmicky, and they also thought that you know the uh, the the one year suspension on the one percent grocery tax, uh, the six month pre- uh, suspension on the motor fuel tax, which you know every time you fill up your tank probably only really saving yourself about 60 cents, depending on the size of your fuel tank. You know, they didn't really agree with that. But at the end of the day, these things are poll tested, you know, by the governor's, uh, you know, campaign. And uh, the fact is, the governor, uh, you know, he holds the pocketbook. He's kind of the – after the, um, you know, exit stage left of former House Speaker Mike Madigan in early 2021 – Um, You know, there's several folks who are kind of vying to uh, be the head of the Democratic Party in Illinois, but certainly the governor is the one who holds the purse string. So, yeah, I mean, the governor got a lot of what he wanted, um, but it was buoyed by the fact that, um, you know, from the time when he proposed his uh, budget in early February to the, you know, uh, wrapping up this weekend, uh, you know, income tax receipts were even, you know, far and above what anyone had expected,
0: Right, right. Now, Dave, the budget calls for one point eight billion dollars in temporary tax relief. Now, you spoke a little bit about it a little bit earlier, but can you help break it down for us even
1: further? Well, yeah, again, I mean, I think uh, you know they 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 are zeroing in on on you know the the, the groceries, the gas, the things that that people are really feeling um, right now. That uh, you know they're, they're watching the prices go up like crazy, and and so. You know, it it was uh, it was something where, uh, you know, as Hannah said, you know, I'm sure this stuff has been poll tested. I mean, it's it's a a thing where um, they 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 know that they're you know, that the the elections are looming and they want to be able to basically craft some really nice campaign commercials going into the fall to show that they're at least empathetic to what, you know, working class families are feeling across the state. So, you know, I I would imagine, you know, most of this stuff. The 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 checks that are going out to people, the tax relief at the pump and in the grocery line, it's all going in, kicking in right. You know, it's ahead of the election. And so that's going to be it's going to be ever present, I think, on the campaign trail, certainly from Democrats saying, hey, look, this is what this is what we brought home for you, for everybody in the state.
0: Now, Hannah, how much money is this plan expected to save taxpayers?
2: Well, um, I mean, that's unclear. We still—it was a very unique budget process in that um, usually, you know, by the time uh, bills are out, there is at least some sort of framework that is uh, shared among members that you know eventually gets shared to uh, you know media that shows you know an impact. It basically uh, you know an analysis of where these things are going. Um, this budget process was you know unlike anything i 've seen in about nine years from uh, and like Dave said probably like unlike anything he 's seen um, but you know I think one thing that we do need to talk about, yes, there are some uh, things that are you know could be considered gimmicky in the this tax relief, but one thing that is actually important and that will carry forward and have real impact in the coming years is the expansion of the uh, earned income tax credit in illinois it 's a permanent expansion. Uh, both in the amount of uh, money that folks will get, but also in the uh, the folks who are actually eligible for the earned income tax credit. Um, we're expanding it to uh, 18 to 24-year-olds, uh, a population that was previously ineligible, in addition to uh, senior citizens and folks who are not citizens but still file, uh, you know, taxes. And so that's a huge amount of tax relief that will be um, you know, it, it, it might not be as uh, sexy as in a campaign commercial. And certainly uh, there are folks who are, um, you know, against it for various reasons. But for the most part, this is something that actually is going to be helpful mm-hmm. in the coming years.
0: Now, Hannah, and Republicans said their their permanent tax relief plan would have saved residents $2.2 billion a year. So why are the Democrats opting for the temporary tax cuts?
2: Well, it's like, you know, we were just saying these things... It, it is an election year, and it's an election year that is going to be tough for Democrats. You know, it, always in a mid- midterm election is going to be tough for the uh, party whose uh, president is in the White House. Um, but, you know, it's it's not just that. It's, it's a lot of shifting political winds that are um, going to be um, difficult for Democrats to manage. You know, uh, I think... I and Dave and lots of other reporters have, uh, you know, zoomed in on these two things that Illinois Republicans are trying to pin on Democrats. Uh, One, um, you know, a rise in violent crime. Now, of course, that's all over the country, but um, it is easy to uh, point to that because we have this example of Chicago right here in our state uh, that is faring worse than other large cities. Mm -hmm. Um, And also because Democrats in early 2021 passed a massive uh, progressive change to how the criminal justice system in Illinois works. Now, of course, the biggest part of that uh, cashless bail has not gone into effect yet, but Republicans have been fairly successful and they're going to keep pushing at that theme uh, in trying to pin the rise in violent crime on Democrats and on that law. And the other is inflation, Um, you know, that they can pin, uh, again, it's a nationwide kind of strategy, but they can pin it on uh, Democrats up and down the ticket, you know, from Joe Biden to uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker um, and everyone in between. So Democrats want to do, you know, yes, the $2.2 that Republicans had introduced. Now, they, uh, keep in mind, they introduced this on the last day of session, if sure. I'm uh, remembering correctly, um, but you know, Democrats are going to go with what they wanted again—things that are poll-tested and things that are—it's it, kind of a mix, like the earned sure. income tax credit and other um, you know, money-saving ideas that they have. They're not going to let Republicans you know, control that narrative.
0: Sure. And you're listening to Reset. on Michael Puente in for Sasha Ann Simons. And we're recapping Illinois' spring legislative session, which ended early Saturday morning with us to discuss our WBEZ state politics reporter, Dave McKinney, and Hannah Mizell with NPR Illinois. So uh, Hannah was just talking about it, Dave. So Public safety is expected to be a top issue in this year's election, right?
1: Oh, yeah, most certainly. And, and you know, it, it's affecting Chicago. It's affecting the collar counties. People are feeling it. The the Republican campaigns have really, really ramped up their messaging on this. I mean, you, you turn on the television and a lot of the ads you see from the Republican candidates are zeroing in on crime. And, and you know, and I think for anybody who lives in the city, I mean, I, I live on the north side and, and you know, they're – probably two or three times a month there are carjackings within you know probably a half mile to mile radius of where i live and and you know you hear the shootings at night and sure. and that's you, you can pick any neighborhood in the sh- in, in the city and and find that and of course in the collar counties and the suburbs you you see the uh you know the issue with these smash and grab uh shoplifting things i mean oakbrook center mall has just been hammered by these things since since last fall, uh, you know, I think there was one instance where uh, a department store was hit twice in the same day by these groups that go in and just, you know, pillage, basically, and, and walk out the door with all this stuff and then, you know, sell it on on, on secondary markets. And so crime is, is something people feel, and Republicans are seizing on it, and Democrats, the the, the issue they have is uh, is. As Hannah kind of mentioned, last year they put in place this big criminal justice reform called the Safety Act that um, you know it, it, it eliminated cash bail. Uh, there's just a whole slew of other law enforcement or measures in it that law enforcement didn't favor, and and uh, the, the Republicans are, are saying, look, you, know, you you are making the job of policing much more difficult with this law, and so they're you know they tried unsuccessfully the GOP to. Get Democrats to repeal the law this session, which was never going to happen. But but it's put Democrats really on the defensive on this crime issue, which um, you know polling has shown it's it, you know I think it, it's still behind the economy in terms of importance to voters. But it's one of those those issues right now that, that there's volatility in it. It's it's uh, you know traditionally like health care and education; those are things people care about. Crime is up in that range right now, if not exceeding those. So. Hmm. Everybody's aware of it, and everybody's scrambling to try to to be on the defensive about it.
0: Well, let's hear about the governor's plan to tackle public safety across the state.
1: We're also doubling down on our, our unprecedented investments in public safety, including funding the largest state police cadet class in state history and dedicating the most ever resources to tackling the root causes of violence.
0: Well, Hannah, we only got a few more seconds on this, but do you think this measure, his his plans, Governor Pritzker's, is this going to be enough to, to quell some of the violence out there?
2: Well, sure. Just a point of clarification. This is not Governor Pritzker's plans. This was... Uh negotiations between uh, House and Senate Democrats and um, other folks who are stakeholders uh, in the criminal justice space. This is about $200 million investment in things like um, you know, more money to police officers, expressway cameras and cook in the collars in 16 downstate can- uh, counties, more money for police body cameras, um, mental health uh, money for first responders. Um, you know, these are things that Democrats don't want to, uh, in any way, undermine that uh, safety act. Um, but they want to, you know, also acknowledge that people, you know, they don't feel feel safe in their homes. And no matter what, uh, you know, the root causes of that, you know, uh, Republicans know that uh, perception becomes reality. And they are uh, hitting on that message. They are winning the messaging war. And they know it. And Democrats know it, too. And so, um, you know, these are things that they... Therefore, um, you know, more immediate responses and, you know, but the thing is, turning the message, turning the page on criminal justice, that's something that takes time, but uh, we live in a world where... where politics does now. not actually allow you that time. Exactly,
0: you know? exactly. The one thing I wanted to really get to, because obviously, Dave, you know, I, I've covered Indiana politics for a while, and the, Indiana's always bragging about their their surplus budget of $2 Well, Illinois just set aside a billion dollars in its Rainy Day Fund. How significant, Dave, is that?
1: Well, I mean, the, the Rainy Day Fund that Illinois has had dates back, I think, to the Ryan administration, so, you know, almost... A quarter century ago, and and never has it has it stood at what it will once uh, the governor enacts this budget at a billion dollars. So that gives, you know, the, the thought is that that's going to give some cushion to the state moving forward if we we get into you know a recession or, or some other thing like that. It's also one of those things that uh, you know among among you know that and and what they did for uh, for pensions here, you know, uh, the, the, this plan a lot. About 500 million dollars more than what they were required to put into the state's pension systems. Those are things that really uh, that, that Wall Street is looking for, and there have already been signals from some of the bond rating agencies that that they view this as uh, these developments as a very very positive thing for Illinois. I mean, under under the previous governor, I mean, we were the state was uh, a notch above junk bond status, and 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 slowly uh, under Pritzker, it's been you know creeping its way up from that that kind of infamous spot, and, and there's the, the prospect of, of, of even, you know, higher upgrades. And what that means is it just makes, you know, borrowing for the state of Illinois cheaper, and, and you know, we're in a better position to be able to, to manage things. And so that's something that Democrats hope that voters will tune in on, that, you know, in a state that is well-known for its financial instability, this is a budget that at least looks like, you know, things are, have quieted down and, and are much more stable.
0: You know, Dave, just like a household budget, you have to pay your bills every month, but you also try to set aside a little bit. This setting aside of the rainy day fund, this should not impact the state's debts, right? They're still going to pay their debt.
1: Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, you know, there's no question. I mean, the the, the bond payments, those are are, uh, pretty much at the top of the list, and they always have been, so, like, you know, there's not any issue with that. The, the long-term pension liabilities of the state right now are at about $130 billion, but those are long-term costs that, um, you know, that, that I don't know what's ever going to make that, that go away. I mean, there's a plan that uh, the state has been on since the mid-'90s to try to winnow that down by the, by the mid-part of this century, and they're still on the path toward doing that. But, but yes, certainly uh, the, the, the debt issue is, uh, you know uh, you know, it seems like it's pretty well under control, and, in fact, um, you know, they, they uh, under under the previous governor. I mean, when we had the two-year budget impasse, the the amount of unpaid state bills, I think, exceeded. Well, it didn't exceed. It came close to seventeen billion dollars. Vendors that were providing services to the state were waiting, you know, months and months and months to get paid. Well, that that backlog has pretty much been been done away with, and and so you know, there are just a number of things that that appear to. Um, you know, appear to show, like I said, more stability in the way finances operate in the state of Illinois.
0: Now, Hannah, how were Democrats able to balance the budget during a pandemic? Where and where's all this revenue coming from?
2: <laughs> I mean, that is, it's, it's pretty mind-boggling to think back to, um, you know, the depths of the first few months of the pandemic. Um, As lawmakers were, you know, still figuring out, um, you know, what are we going to do? Ultimately, in 2020, lawmakers had a four-day legislative session toward the end of May. Um, And they plugged some of the holes uh, through a combination of federal borrowing, uh, which has been paid back already, by the way, and also You know, this federal uh, stimulus money that was supposed to go toward, you know, helping plug those holes in state budgets. You know, since then we've had more stimulus money. But the thing is, um, and I I understand that it's hard to believe. And so uh, Republicans, excuse me, are leaning into voters' natural skepticism of a state that has, you know, for decades uh, been kind of the poster child of fiscal mismanagement. But here's the thing is, uh, Illinois used that, um, and also hasn't used all of the federal money. Although uh, now uh, most of it is going to be spoken for in this budget, used that federal stimulus money, particularly the the American Rescue uh, Act, it, to kind of you know build up infrastructure uh, to you know do vaccines and other things that would um, kind of bring Illinois back to a normal state. And so uh, with that economic recovery comes a balloon in state uh, revenues with, you know, uh, taxes up because consumer spending is up because consumers are more confident because of that federal uh, revenue. So, you know, but Republicans are going to try, and they already have uh, been on this uh, messaging uh, that, you know, the only reason Democrats are able to uh, quote unquote balance the budget is because of federal spending, uh, which is, you know, like I just said, only nominally true. But, you know, I, I, Republicans, you know, it's going to be a very tough sell. It's, I mean, this is not a perfect analogy, but I think we all sure. know someone who has, uh, you know, been with, you know, had maybe a boyfriend who, uh, you know, says, oh, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. And, you know, maybe they finally do and they, you know, get their life together. But it's really hard then to uh, trust that person again, um, you know, so, even if the state is truly getting its fiscal house in order, you know, I can understand uh, voter skepticism and I can absolutely understand Republican strategy to exploit that skepticism.
0: Well, speaking of like an odd couple, and I keep, I hate to keep bringing up my Indiana connections, but, you know, you're in Indiana and uh, you see how the Republicans dominate the state house down there with Democrats just can't really do much. Then you cross the state line into this other dimension where the Democrats are in control. So here in Illinois, Hannah, how much did the GOP, how much influence that they have on this new state budget plan?
2: You know, usually it is, uh, you know, Republicans are not going to have much, if at all, uh, influence on that plan. Um, You know, especially in the last few years, since 2018, uh, democrats in i think both chambers uh, the house and senate have had super majorities like they've never seen before uh, super majorities that um, you know can also get unwieldy but that's kind of another conversation but you know what i've noticed in the last few months is that democrats they had a huge huge 2021 in illinois you know they muscled through things like redistricting which is the most partisan thing that you know could happen every 10 years uh, this massive um, climate and energy plan, uh, some other progressive um, kinds of ideas, you know, in veto session, they also did away with Illinois' last remaining uh, abortion statute. But, you know, since then, there's been kind of a quiet but, you know, noticeable kind of change in posture as we head into an election year. And uh, Republicans, because they have been successful in its, like I said earlier, a nationwide strategy, they've been successful on messaging hammering uh, Democrats on the rise in violent crime and on inflation, things that, you know, voters care deeply about and, you know, it hits them, you know, viscerally and emotionally. Uh, you know de- Democrats have been kind of forced into a defensive sort of posture. And so did Republican ideas necessarily make it into the budget? No. But I think the whole kind of crafting of the budget, you know, having to be uh, mindful of that messaging attack, you know, I would say that, yes, uh, Republicans have been, you know, m- maybe more influential than they have been in a few years.
0: Now, Dave McKinney, uh, lawmakers approved major legislation affecting the nursing home industry. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is something that targets uh, Medicaid-funded nursing homes across the state. I mean, for years, there have been issues about unsafe and unhealthy conditions in those places that have been kind of driven by the fact that that if you're a staff person there typically you're not getting paid very much and then they're they're often in a lot of these places there are staff shortages and and you know the pandemic has really kind of ravaged uh, these facilities across the state and uh, on top of all of that you have a uh, nursing home industry that, that that carries a ton of clout in uh, Springfield and so you know efforts to try to uh, clamp down on on what what they're doing always kind of hit a buzzsaw. and so what this does, this is a leg- piece of legislation that, um, you know, basically for the first time ties funding levels from the state to staffing, and and that that's you know they're perceiving this as, as a bit of a victory. So, uh, seven hundred million dollars in increased funding for uh, for nursing homes that deal with Medicaid patients, uh, it's uh, you know there's a federal match that that's uh, that's included there. Um, there's, uh, you know, there, there's a, uh, a, a provision here that says that your funding levels are based on, uh, you know, on your staffing levels uh, and and uh, your commitment to paying workers more money. So, so these things all around, I think the proponents of this are saying, look, we think we, we might move the needle a little bit in terms of quality care at some of these facilities for for uh, for low income folks, and and uh, that it might make a difference. So we'll see. I mean, the governor, um, the governor, I think is is eager to sign this legislation. That that uh, Representative Anna Moller from uh, Elgin was was a you know pivotal person in. So so anyway, it's a, it's it's a pretty important development. I think we'll see how it works.
0: We do just have a few more minutes. Hannah, were you surprised by anything that wasn't addressed during the spring legislative session? Any missed yeah. opportunities?
2: Um, you know, I would say because it was such an unusual session, we ended seven weeks earlier than we normally would, uh, you know, that May 31st deadline. I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't say that I was necessarily surprised by anything that dropped off the radar. Um, you know, especially because, you know, folks were, it's just been a very discombobulating session, to be honest. Um, and so, you know, I think there are some things that we will, uh, uh you know realize in the coming days like oh that didn't get completely done huh interesting um but for the most part it's almost the opposite i mean my god i i i can't even uh explain to you the depths of sleep deprivation i've had over the last week but um if anything you know just like every session you're always kind of surprised by the things that did manage to get done despite uh lots of um you know maneuvering but you know what i I will say one thing um There has been a push on um, this sort of penalty enhancement for uh, those who might uh, harm a uh, child, uh, an investigator from the Department of Children and Family Services. There have been two high-profile cases, one within the last uh, few months um, of, you know, murders of these um, DCFS investigators. And the governor's office was very on board with uh, this penalty enhancement, which would kind of treat them along the same lines as law enforcement. That did not get done. Um, you know, it was at, up to the, you know, midnight of Friday, I think, um, or actually maybe even beyond, you know, folks uh, we were prepared to uh, see that pass, even though, uh, you know, factions from the ACLU and others were very unhappy about it and said, you know, this had never even received a proper hearing. Um, but in the end, that did not... Uh, happen uh, despite the governor's support but I think you know there was enough uh, folks saying do not do this that you know that was shut down.
0: Dave any last thoughts about what may have been missed in this uh, budget this budget session?
1: You know I mean I think that uh, there there were the fact that there wasn't you know major major ethics reform I think is, is interesting I mean You know, here, we're fresh off the indictment of former House Speaker Michael Madigan uh, in early March. And um, usually, you know, you see whenever we have these big, uh, you know, corruption investigations that that blow up into indictments like this, there's usually some kind of uh, follow up to that. I mean, they they the legislature did do some ethics stuff last year. The one thing they did this year that was actually kind of interesting that we haven't talked about much was the uh, uh, they 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 impose some uh, contribution caps in mm-hmm. judicial elections mm-hmm. but that was also uh, you know that that one is kind of I think aimed at keeping uh, Ken Griffin, the hedge fund billionaire from Chicago, uh, contained and not uh, able to to go in and spend you know millions or tens of millions of dollars in Supreme Court races and other judicial elections but but I think you could you know back on ethics, you could say well, you know. There's still a lot more to be done on that front, especially as we're learning more and more about these allegations that confront the House, former House Speaker.
0: Well, that WBZ reporter Dave McKinney and NPR Illinois Government and Politics Editor Hannah Meisel. Thank you both to you.